0: Following the message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipst.pete.org. All right, good morning, church family. Uh, who's excited about the word this morning? All right that 's what I like to hear uh, i want to I want to mention a little bit about the the song set this morning, really touched by a couple of things there um, one, just you know that middle song that uh that the lyrics said that you know there's no words there 's not enough words in my vocabulary there 's not enough time in my life to to bring forth the 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 song that would, would, would give justice to the wonder of God's goodness and grace and presence and power. And, um, and you know, I, I want to give you a challenge, um, because this came to me as I was just worshiping in that, uh, because it's so true, right? It's so true that, that, um, like, like just a thread of your majesty. Like we, we only have a glimpse of his glory. We only have a glimpse. I mean, I mean, I I love that it, it goes on to say like, the, the, there's, there's not enough time and enough words for, for me to go on and on about who you are and how wonderful you are. And, um, and, and what came to me was this, that, I mean, how many of you have been blessed by the Psalms? right? I mean, me too. And how many of you have been blessed by by those that have, have sought to worship the Lord through song and have written those songs and we sing those songs and, and what a blessing, right? Like, But here's what I want to challenge you to this week. Um, sit down and ask the Lord um, to help you. Let the Holy Spirit help you to write a psalm or a song, okay? Just just to write out your heart for the lord write out whatever it is just write out your 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 your, your praise your thanksgiving your, your 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 heart for him just just your response to just all that he's done for you i sit around and i look at faces that have been healed just this week of uh, of this crazy virus and and, and I believe that, that when we read about the stripes of Christ and the healing work that they accomplished on the cross at Calvary, that, that it's so much more significant than just what he does in our tent. Like he's doing, he's doing a work in our hearts and in our souls, in our minds. He's changing us, you know, through, through the cross, through the, the victory that he, he brought us, and um, and so I just want to challenge you this week. Uh, I would love, as I know the Lord will do, is if you give yourself to that to that um, opportunity. I know there's going to be some wonderful um, songs and psalms that will come from that. God's not finished writing him his 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 book. He's writing it on our hearts now, isn't he? Through His Spirit, and and He wants those 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 things to be testified. And so I encourage you to do that. And then we sang a song, this last song, about his presence. Guys, <laughs> like God has made, like he's, the, the, the veil's been torn from heaven to earth. Like we have access to the Father because Christ willingly took the, 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 the wrath of God, the, the sin of humanity, our sin, my sin, like he he literally made us righteous by 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 tearing down the the dividing wall of hostility and and opening up the 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 veil to us the, the throne room of God we, we can come into his presence and then that song makes this effort to to kind of unpack some of what that means and and man have you come into his presence lately? Have you just sat in his presence and bathed in the in the in the grace and in the truth and in the and in the the peace of just his presence? Have you just, have you just let his presence like that's the gift that we've been given is we've been given his presence back. And that presence brings so much comfort and so much joy to be our strength like in his presence is the fullness of joy is the abundance of life like that's our wellspring that's our hope like we we just we've got to spend time in his presence so that we are so we are satisfied by his love and his goodness we're reminded of all the the, the, the things that is present like life is found in his presence. everything that that Christ sought to purchase for us is found in his presence are you are you embracing the the, the privilege of just sitting in his presence and letting all of those because there 's stuff going on is there stuff going on in your heart? is there stuff going on in your mind? Are those things needing to be put before the throne of grace? And do we need his heart and his perspective on those things? Do we need his attitude? Do we need to to see it from his vantage point? And all of that happens as as we just sit in his presence. And we just let him impart his heart to us as we listen and learn. Man, he loves you. I hope you know that this morning, man. He he loves, you know, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Like the greatest thing that we do with every moment of our day, any moment in our day, is to just come before his throne of grace and mercy. And just and just whatever it is we're wrestling with, just 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 yield it to him so he might give you a different perspective on those things. So much to be thankful for. Uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, this this Saturday we we had an amazing memorial service yesterday, packed house, standing room only. Gospel was shared. The Holy Spirit did an awesome job in every facet. The, the family was overwhelmed by love. Felt so encouraged. Thought it was just the, the the just was so blessed by it. And other you could tell hearts were touched, changed. It was awesome. Um, I was just, I could sense, you know, when, you, you know, you have those moments where you can sense the Lord's pleasure. I just felt the Lord's pleasure, you know, just, it was just so sweet. And all the hands that, uh, that helped to make yesterday possible. This, this coming Saturday, we, we get to celebrate another saint in Earl's homecoming. And so I know Colette and Jaden would just really appreciate your support uh, this Saturday, 11 o'clock. Please plan to come and be a part of that, um, you know, so thankful for Jen uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, for, for she's going to be a part of the uh, reception afterwards, so there'll be some food. So uh, if you're willing to... Uh, Jen, you need any more help? No, you're good. So that's always a, that's always a good thing. So I <laughs> so, uh, also want to mention that um, as we saw in the video announcements, uh, we got The Chosen coming up next Sunday night. So uh, if you haven't seen the, how many of you have seen The Chosen on any of the episodes? Okay, so uh, they're finished uh, two seasons of eight episodes. And so we're going to pick up, go back to season one, episode one. And we're going to watch through uh, one, one, uh, the third Sunday of every month at six o'clock. Jen has been so gracious to offer her culinary spiritual gifts to, uh, to this occasion. And so at six o'clock, we'll have a meal together in the fellowship hall, and then we'll gather in here for uh, watching uh, the, the one episode of The Chosen. And then we're just gonna talk through some of the, the pieces that, uh, that are discovered in that. Um, here's what I need from you. It is, it's really hard to prepare a meal if we don't know how many's coming. Um, so it's essential that by this Thursday, we have an RSVP. We've sent out several emails on this. I know you've gotten those emails. All you got to do is click in the bottom, you know, RSVP, go to our website, uh, call one of us, find a way to let us know that you're going to be there and how many of your friends and family or coworkers or neighbors you're bringing with you. Um, but we, uh, we want to know by Thursday so that, so that Jen and the team can prepare dinner um, for next Sunday night. So next Sunday, you won't be able to sign up for this. We, 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 you just, we're just not doing that. I mean, it's just too hard to buy groceries, all of that stuff. So please, RSVP, it's gonna be an amazing time going through this series, which has been an incredible, incredible blessing. Uh, we kicked off life groups last week. Um, please get involved in a small group. Get involved in one of our life groups. Wednesday nights, we are journeying through Acts uh, and going through the letters as Paul uh, reads those letters or writes those letters in their context. Man, come and join us. 6.45 on Wednesday nights, Saturday mornings at 9.30. There's a Chase Bible study. Uh, I, I already heard a testimony uh, today that this was... Where's Miss Susan? I can't look. There she is. Um, you know, that what a wonderful time that they had yesterday morning. So Saturday mornings, 9.30, come out and be a part of this uh, this wonderful study um, and, uh, and, and all other life groups. I know miss, miss Judy has her prayer night, uh, coming up on Thursday night. Uh, so you'll want to come and be a part of that. That's an amazing opportunity. So get plugged in. These are so important. Uh, any of the announcements that you've seen that you want to more information about, or want to get involved in, there are connection cards in the seat backs in front of you. You can drop those in the giving box and that, or they're online as well so that we can uh, connect to all of those things. Guys, let's pray. Father, we, um, we never want to take for granted the privilege that we have to come into your presence and to declare our hearts broken and in need and um, thankful, graciously uh, overwhelmed with just the mercy of the cross. And Lord, we, uh, we praise you for who you are and for just the, the glorious way that you have wooed us into your presence, loved us in such a profound and significant way that we are, we are just humbled by your love, overwhelmed by your grace, healed by your grace, liberated by your mercy. And so we are so thankful for your faithfulness. Let our lives, please, Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, that our lives would be a loving testimony and witness to just the, just the wonder of who you are. Father, I pray that you would be with these families that have lost loved ones in recent days. Um, especially for Kathy's family with Sharon, and as Jen flies up and is a part of this this, uh, this time, I pray that there would be celebration because of your promises, but that there would also be comfort, Father. Continue comfort for Mike and Bree and the Simpson family, Skip and Betty, and as well as uh, for Colette and Jade and Johnny. I just pray that you'd minister to these families, Lord. Pray for Miss Helen's family, for Sharon and G and D and Jill and Jenny and Jim, and just pray that you would just shower them with your comfort, because we know that those voids are 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 hard; those moments are difficult. Lord, I, I praise you for the amazing healing work you've done this week in Diana and Malachi and Hope and Donna uh, and Alex, just for many others, Lord, that every single one that we've been praying for and asking for. You have been so merciful and so kind, Lord. Pray you continue to be with Marty and Lissette and that you would continue to minister to their need and to their body, Father. Uh, we just pray for Miss Catherine as she travels today for the healing of her her broken tailbone, for our brother Terry, for for Saul. Uh, Father, we, we just pray for our, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and Haiti. At Louisiana, Father, we just pray that you would minister to these circumstances. For families that are being reminded this weekend of loved ones lost 20 years ago, pray for comfort, Father, and for this nation that we would be healed as we just set our gaze and fix our hearts on you. Lord, I pray that you would help the church to rise up in in, in love and kindness and mercy. Help us to shine a light and to be your instrument in every way. Uh, just continue to give you thanks for for Bill and just pray that you would provide for his needs as well father as for marriages for homes for hearts for relationships lord that you would work in mighty ways we know you will father and i just pray that right now you would work in a mighty way to seed our heart with truth to change our 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 our, our natural instinct to be judgmental and critical and condemning lord that we would be people that are marked by forgiveness and love and kindness and mercy that this that we would be those that give and in the ways that you have given. And we just uh, pray that you would do that work in our heart today. Holy Spirit, please empower your word into into a reality in our lives that we would truly be men and women of of mercy and forgiveness and grace. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, question, are you rooted in him? Are you rooted in him this morning? Are you established in his love? Are you... uh, are you digging into his word? You find your life uh, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever you do, whatever you do prospers. Like this, this is the call that we would, that we would establish our lives, lives in Christ, in his word, rooted and established in, in his promises, in his goodness. And, and uh, the other question I have for you this morning, are you growing in grace? Have you found over the 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 term of your uh, your your the work of the Holy Spirit in your life the, the sanctifying gift of God's presence that He continues to, you know, make you into the inform you into the image that He d- designed and desired you to be? Are you finding that you are growing in grace? You are growing to be an extension of His grace, a grace giver. Um, this morning. Um, Man, I have pushed pause on our Luke study and just kind of been camping out right here. We, we've been talking about love your enemies, right? Praying for those that persecute you, praying for those that abuse you, blessing those who curse you, right? Uh, leaving room for the wrath of God, you know, being, be, being counterculture and, 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 and not letting our feelings dictate our, respo- our reaction, but letting the Holy Spirit be the one that dictates our, our move and our heart and our direction. And, uh, and man, in verse 36 of chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're in Luke chapter 6, um, and uh, we've, been, we've been here for a few, few weeks just really trying to dig at this because, man, this is something that is so critical for the church, especially as we go into this next season, which I believe it's going to get worse before Christ comes back and makes it all better. Right and 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 I believe that the, the church uh, is going to get going to get refined and defined through persecution, and I think that the the storms are going to get uh, more severe. Um, and in those storms, uh, we can actually exhibit a, a peace, right? A, a trust, a faith that instead of I, I got this picture this morning as someone I think it was uh, Terry was praying, and uh, when I was growing up in the Bahamas, um, we would get in our boat and uh, we had a center console. Um and uh and on the front of the boat there was this railing. You probably can see this, right? Like there's a railing on the front. I think that was just to keep my brother and I from, you know, falling off or whatever, but it was there and we would we would boogie all the way to the front of the boat. Mom can tell you, we would race to the front of the boat as soon as we got in the boat, heading out the creek and out to uh out to the to the beautiful waters of the Bahamas. We we would we, I would get in the front there and I would hold on. And, and I loved it when my dad would just, we called it hooked it up, you know, like just, just, just ran it full throttle, right? And, and for me, I don't know if this was an exercise of trusting my dad or, or just, just being naive. It's like, man, the rougher the waves, the more exciting and fun it was, right? The more like, oh man, I mean, we just, I mean, sometimes it would hit, the boat would hit and you swore the hull cracked, right? I mean, it's just like, but man, the, 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 more, like, the more vicious the, the, the waves were, the, the more exciting it was, right? And man, the, the vision I got this morning was like, man, I want to, you know, Jesus was asleep on the stern of the boat in the midst of the storm where the boys thought, hey, we're going to die, and these, aren't, these are experienced fishermen, man. So like they know what they're talking about, and Jesus is sleeping, and the moment he wakes them up, Or they wake him up and they're saying, like, don't you care if we die? He's like, why are you afraid? Like, he is so, he is so like, like, I'm here. Like, I'm here. Like, and that's a, there's a more profound presence of God now that the spirit is present in us. And, you know, and the vision I had was this, is like, man, when the storms come, I want to be up on the rail going, yeah, this is like, that's the attitude I want to have man I, or or sleep, you know, like you know peaceful and you know but but I'm like, but just uh, because I know who who's the author of the storm, and I also know who's the calmer of the storm, and I know who who lives in me right and uh and and come what may, it's going to be okay, right like it, it come what may if he' slay me, yet I will praise him it's all good and uh, and that's where I want to be, right, but as we As we look at, I'm going to ask you a series of questions this morning as we simply look at just Luke chapter 6, 37 and 38. Um, And because unfortunately, the church gets marked by being judgmental. Now, some of that's just slanderous. Some of I mean, Jesus got accused of being many things because he was a truth-sayer. And and, and I'm not saying, as, as mentioned this morning in the study, that we shouldn't be those that live out the truth. And, 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 and depict that through our lives. And, and for that reason, we're going to be spoken of, uh, you know, I'm, they hated me, they'll hate you too. Um, but we should not have critical spirits. We should not be judgmental in our attitude towards others. That should not be what marks our love, should mark our lives, Grace should mark our lives. Forgiveness should be, I, lo- I love what Le- Lisa Turker says. When she gets up in the morning, she, she asks forgiveness for everybody in their life, in her life going forward in the day so that they're already forgiven before they do anything to me. Like it's, it's, it's already there because that's how God, that's what Jesus did for me walking into my future. It's not a license to sin, but I've been given full, my sin has been quenched from, from cover to cover. So I have a question for you, and I'll open up with this. Has there ever been a time in your life as a believer when you really blew it? Really blew it. Really blew it. You made such a mess of things that you thought that you could never be called a Christian again. If you have, think back and ask yourself this question. Who was the person, who was the instrument who helped you the most? Was that a person considered, ju- was that person considered judgmental or critical in spirit? Or were they a person of mercy? Well, I think the answer is obvious. In times of crisis and, and outrageous or outright failure, a person doesn't need someone else to act as judge or critic. Instead, we need someone who, who can remind us of the mercy of God. Jesus says that his followers are to be merciful. In, in the Beatitudes, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Right? We see that in this text as well. Jesus says that his followers are to be mercy givers, just as his heavenly Father is. And, and when others fall, not if, but when others fall, and they will repeatedly in our lives, Will they see the mercy of God reflected in ours? Will they? Are we, is that our posture? Is that our response? So here again, this passage, this is Luke 6, 37 through 38. Judge not. It's like there's nothing else that needs to be said. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn Not and you will not be condemned. And then it's as if he's, he, he shares the antonym of this, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And then he gives this beautiful illustration, which is not unique to this passage, and he speaks of an overflowing, like, like if, if we give as we've been given, this is, the, this is the hope of God, this is the promise of God. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Have you ever done that? You ever shaken something just to get more in? Right, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. Like this is, this is the heart of God. This is, the, this is what Jesus wants to do for his kids. Oh, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts. How much more of my heavenly father give the good gift of the Holy Spirit himself. God loves to give good gifts. The problem is we don't, right? And, and when we don't, man, he doesn't. He says that over and over again. We're the ones that, that, that cause the floodgates of heaven to not be poured out on us, that we might have, that there might be food in my house. Test the Lord in this and see if I will not pour out the floodgates of heaven and that, that you'll have so much you can't even contain it. We see that picture when, when Peter obeys Jesus in the boat. But it says here, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a similar passage in the Sermon on the Mount in in, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and it says this, by the measure you use. Again, he says, judge not. And he says, by the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Like, basically you get to establish the the the, the standard of your own judgment <laughs> right by by the way that you like r- relate to others and so the measure you use will be measured to you jesus not only instructed his followers to be loving and merciful he also went on to explain to them that true love or what true love requires First, he stressed that true love does not judge others or deny forgiveness. Only God, the perfect one, can judge injustice. Believers need to be slow to condemn sinners and saints and let God judge another's motive. Man, what do we know? Very little. How much do you know about a person's paradigm? How much do you know about a person's heart or their or their motive? How, do you, how much do you know about their current circumstances? That they're struggling with or going through? Can life be hard at times? Can it bring out the worst of us in moments? Right? How how much do you know about like what God is doing? And and then we're told this: Who are you to judge another man's servant? Like, is is God like, are we afraid God's not going to do a good job? Are we? Like, is He not just? Is he not the judge and he's perfect? Can we leave that to him, as 1 Peter says? Entrust yourself to a faithful creator who judges justly. Like, that's what Jesus did. And, 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 And then, you know, Peter uses Jesus as the perfect example at the cross. He did not return revile for revile. He did not, when he was threatened, he did not react. But he entrusted himself. I mean, that. That's the challenge for us. And isn't this when we, sh- we really shine? Isn't this when our light really shines? Is when we respond counter nature. When we respond different to the culture and different to what's expected. Right? When, when we truly ask the Holy Spirit and we're... And, and, and man, part of this is, is a, a, a predetermined disposition. Right? Part of this is, God, today, when I'm hurt... Help me to love. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we're asking God and and expecting. Like, part of our struggle is our expectations are all off. Oh, I'm going to become a Christian. Everything will be great. I mean, that's not what Jesus says. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Like, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Let not your hearts be troubled. There's, look, did Jesus model for us how to walk through adversity, trial, conflict, all of that. Right? And what did he do? The whole t- did he did, did he pull out a sword and stick somebody, like cut off an ear? No, he rebuked Peter for that response. He he faced it. He turned the other cheek. Nothing he taught us did he not model for us in perfection. And and again, this is, an, this is not a natural response, right? I mean, I have a long, I have a legacy of my natural responses, and they don't bear fruit, right? But when the spirit, and I have a, a few examples in my life where God empowers and my heart's desire is to honor him in this moment, and the spirit gets a hold of me, and I don't re- react but but prayerfully respond, and, and man, you know what? God is pleased. And, and, and it's fruitful, but it's painful and it's hard. It costs us something to be obedient, doesn't it? And so, like, is God, can you trust God for the justice he's promised? And we're going to talk in just a moment. When does that justice come? Is God patient and in, 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 in forbearant in, in, his, in his judgment? And even, in, in, I mean, we know that, that God's wrath is being poured out against the godless or the unrighteous. We know that it's slowly being, but it's merciful in its extension because God is patient, wanting none to perish. Are, right? And are we joining him in his mission by loving people when they're hurtful and hateful? Because that's exactly what God did for you. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners. Let's not. Enemies. Rebellious. Rejecting. Christ died for us. While we were there. Jesus says no greater love than this than a man laying down his life for his friends. Like while we were in that posture. And we're all in that posture prior to him revealing his mercy, his grace, his love to us. And isn't that. Guys, isn't it that that, that's wooed us into this amazing relationship with Him? It wasn't law that got us there. It couldn't. That just made us want to do it all the more. Right? But it was His love and His kindness that leads us to repentance. And is the world getting love and kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness from the church? From the church. Because Jesus said, you will finish what I've started. You're my body. He's the head. He's going to in, enact his finished mission for the rest of the world through us. He planted our, his spirit in us that we might be witnesses of his presence, that we might reflect, right? We might represent, represent him to the world. And man, not, let me just say that judgment and, and condemnation doesn't get it done. It doesn't. Can you trust God for his justice? So verse 37 says, don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiving. Is this statement true? Judging a person doesn't define who they are. It defines who you are. I'll say that again. Judging a person doesn't define who they are. It defines who you are. And I'm going to base that on this passage of Scripture. Listen to what this says. This is Romans 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Now, I will say this. This is speaking to the unrighteous, the the unregenerated person, right? The person that is yet to be indwelt with God's Spirit. But he's talking to our nature, right? Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges, you have no excuse, For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. We know that. We know God is just. Do you suppose, O man you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume, don't miss this, on the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing, not knowing that this God, this glorious God, that his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance by the way not to a liberty to sin that's part of the point here right that that if if god has god been kind to you has god been loving to you grace filled and merciful like what i keep hearing all the time is what i've been to you would you be to others love as you've been loved forgive as you've been forgiven right that that this this is the the righteous standards this is, the, this is the holy requirement, and, and man, God knows that we can't get it done without his help, and he's given us the helper. We're fully equipped for this, fully equipped. And it's just a matter of doing it in his time and way and word and, and, and just asking him for the strength and the courage and the faith to get it done. Man, that is powerful. That is powerful. So it goes on in verse five and says, but because of your hard and impenitent heart. Now, let me tell you what impenitent means. Not feeling shame about one's actions or attitudes. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for what? Yourself. You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath. Do you know that God, this word forbearance, what does forbearance mean? Well, if you have a student loan, you're pretty thankful for forbearance, right? Like it's a deferred um, a, a deferment of your debt to be paid, right? So God is deferring this, the exacting of your debt, hoping, right, in His patience, that you will turn to His love, that you will respond to His grace and mercy, and that you will put your faith and trust in Him and and experience the liberation of your sin. Experience the the, the the setting the captives free for yourself, right? But but it says up it says about storing up for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Do you know there's a day coming where God's going to make it all right. He's gonna and I'm gonna read a passage here in just a moment. But Jesus teaches here about the attitude that would describe his followers. That's what we just read. Jesus explained that his witnesses, you and I, must not judge or condemn, but that they should be willing to forgive. We should be in a posture of mercy. We should grow in grace, right? Listen to this passage. This is so good. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. What time? Before the Lord comes. Like right? And he goes on to say this, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. Look, we we don't know. We don't know people's heart, motive, disposition. We don't know people's past. We don't know their context, but he does. And he says, leave room for the wrath of God. Do not judge another man's servant, right? Entrust yourself to a faithful creator who judges justly. Don't exact revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Be still and I will fight for you. I mean, this is over and over and over again. But it says here, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Now this is written to the saint. And the word commendation means praise. And I know I've shared this before, but I think it bears repeating, is that we have to understand, uh, how much of your your debt was paid on the cross? How much? All of it. Right. So how much is left when you, sit, when you come before the mercy seat? That's where Jesus sits. How much is left of that for you? Right? Perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. If we're not perfected in fear, we still feel like there's some punishment if we're not perfected in love, we think that there's still punishment. But look, man, the sufficiency of the cross is total and complete. And so what gets handed out to the saint is praise, is crowns. And listen, this is such a great motivator to store for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Over and over again, we're to- told in the passage just before this, what reward, what benefit, what reward, what benefit? Like, look, the, the, the deal is we want to have as much Commendation when we come before the mercy seat, and this is why, because that's going to be the crowns we throw down. That's going to be our offering in heaven to say it—it it wasn't me, it was you. And 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 if we don't, that's that should be our motive. I hope you're hearing this. That's the motive of why we serve here, and it's part of it. It's preparation for the. You know that the same gifts and and graces that you have now that are being worked out and and you're discovering and, and you're you're growing in do you know that that's going to be your eternal that's those gifts are used in your eternal lot you're you're practicing for for the kingdom right for the for the new heaven the new earth for God's kingdom when he comes but but it, but but the commendations these i mean it's going to be so clear in that moment and i know this is a sidebar but it's going to be so clear in that moment who got it done it, that it wasn't me, that all of these praises and all of these things that, that God did through my life, like it just gives us something to offer Jesus in eternity. Does that make sense? And that should be our motivation. I want, because I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place where you, you, were, you, you wanted to give a gift or, or you gave a gift and you were just like, oh man, I wish I'd have given so much more. I wish I'd have had more to give. I wish I would have, you know, th- this, this, this person just deserves. And. You don't want, that. that's what drives us is, is to please him, is to, is to love him, is to, is, to, is to store up treasures. And we don't, we, we don't need anything in his presence. It's just an offering for out of gratitude and worship. So question, what are the obstacles to obeying the Lord here? What are the obstacles of judge not, condemn not, forgive and give? What, what keeps us in our flesh, in our in our in our nature, from doing those things, I'm sure that you've thought of a few right feelings, selfishness, pride, past conditioning, cultural paradigm here's one of the things that just saddens me is our American culture, oh my gosh, man, it is just like you know. Eye for an eye, two for two. That that's how it works, right? I mean, like, and I mean, we go to movies and the plot line is vengeance and and revenge, and we're like, yeah, you know, like, and man, that that's not a picture of the cross at all. And it, but but it but it but it seeds our flesh. Like we like that, man. Oh, he got what was coming to him. But what if what if you got what was coming to you? I mean, the way right, the wages of sin is. Let's not forget that Jesus took all of that, and God remained in a posture of mercy. But the the list goes on. A mentality that, well, that's not fair. Oh, was it fair that Jesus went to the cross? Was it fair? Right. Uh, well, what what about our what keeps us from from obeying the Lord here? It's is our hurt is is getting a voice, and uh, and we're feeding that, and we we want to we want to exact you know, punishment and vengeance and retaliation, right? But here, the body of Christ has a reputation of being what? Judgmental. We do. And I mean, not everybody in the church is the church. Let's be clear about that, right? So, I mean, some of that happens and, and some of that is, is, is just like, you know, our reputation is going to be maligned because, because we're holding to the truth. But some of that is because the church is judgmental. And the church isn't a building, it's a people. It's you and me. But, but let me be clear. We are called in some regards to judge, right? I think this, this commentary by Bruce Burton really helps. While the word judge, karino in Greek, can mean to evaluate or analyze, Jesus did not mean his people should refuse to think critically or make decisions nor was he attempting to abolish the legal system or disciplinary measures. Believers must discern and make certain judgments. For example, Jesus said to expose false teachers, to admonish others in order to help them, right? Paul taught that we should exercise church discipline. We see all these. Jesus was referring to the judgmental attitude that focuses on others' faults. Tearing them down. Harsh judgment often leads to an attitude of condemnation. And this also cannot categorize Jesus' followers. One cannot love and have a judgmental or condemning spirit. It's in contrast. And that's what he's addressing here. And to that point, in Galatians 6.1, this is what is said. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... There's a, there, there, there's, there's a discernment here, right? If anyone is caught, and he's talking about another brother or sister is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Isn't it a fruit of the spirit? Why do we think that being, being assertive, um, right? I, I mean, I, I'm, there should be a boldness, a confidence in the Lord, but, but, but in everything that we do should be done through love. With gentleness and respect. Keep watch on yourselves though, lest you too be tempted. And you know what I think this really depicts is that we're in a battle. We're in a battle, right? There's I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna have brothers and sisters that are gonna gonna gonna, gonna fall, gonna get harmed, I mean gonna be assaulted by the enemy, and and sometimes they're they're, they're gonna be laid and, and what we what we what are we to do? But we're to come alongside and lovingly and gently come alongside them. See Christ did not give us a license to take God's place as judge. He didn't. Those who judge in that way will be will find themselves judged likewise by God and 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 it seems like by others. Neither should we condemn others or we will be condemned. Those who don't judge and don't condemn others usually find that they will that others will return that favor in like manner when it comes to forgiveness as well. So those who refuse to forgive demonstrate that they don't understand what God has done for them. We must be ready to, 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 and willing to forgive just as God forgave us. I mean, look, look at what this says. So next slide for me, Mary. Um, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here, here's the bar. Here's the standard. As God in Christ forgave you, and and what that means is that we're just going to trust God for the justice, right? We're going we're to lay the hurt and the pain that's been, that's been exacted on us, we're going to lay that aside, and we're going to trust God for the mercy in this situation. So question, if you were wrapped up in a sin, would you come to the church or would you run away? I hope, I hope that we, as a church, are grace-filled, we are, that you know that this is, a, this is a place where we will hold your hand to the cross. Unfortunately, most people probably would run away, and that's sad. That's extremely tragic. The church exists to declare the mercies of God. We are here to let people know that our Father is certainly the righteous judge, that he does not laugh at sin or treat it lightly, but Also, that he has made a way of atonement and redemption for those who deserve his wrath. But the church is often thought of as the first place a person goes to be judged for their sin. I got another question for you. When you are made aware of another believer being involved in some immoral behavior, how do you react? Honestly, with yourself we could stand up and give testimony, but no, like how do you react when you when you become aware of uh of another believer that that uh, that maybe not in your context outside of your context that is you know I think of Zaki or um Zacharias Ravi, you know like i mean sad, I can't imagine the battle he was under, how hard that would have been, but often that 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 you know we we often respond with, or some with arrogance and superiority and self-righteousness. Or is your heart grieved for them, knowing that you are capable of committing the same sin or worse? When you are tempted to commit the same, I'm sorry, when you are tempted to act as the judge, remember this. This is so good. Remember what God has done for you so that you could be the one that pardons, that reminds them of the grace of God, of the mercy of God, of the cross of Christ. Then extend the same grace to your fallen brother or sister, right? So what is necessary to share Jesus' example here? Let me, let me share that example with you. Um, so you remember in John chapter 8, um, Jesus has been at the Mount of Olives before dawn, and we know what he does at the Mount of Olives. That's a place he goes to pray, right? It's not, the sun hasn't even come up yet. Okay, this is John chapter 8, 1 to 11. And then at dawn, he comes to the court at the temple and he begins to teach. And he sits down and, and this massive crowd says, says all of them come and they gather around him. Well, you can imagine that's a pretty wonderful moment and and in that moment, all of a sudden, we see Pharisees coming dragging this 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 girl and throwing her in front of Jesus and says, "I mean, can you imagine the interruption in this um, and says you know it's like someone busting through the doors here uh, with a girl that's maybe not dressed or half dressed." Caught in adultery, and throws her in front of Je- in front front of Jesus, and he- and they say, "The law says that you are to stone him to death." What do you say? We got him this time, guys. We got him, right? And uh, what does Jesus do? Doesn't say a word, right? He gets on his knees. I I know he's writing in the sand. Many say that that he's you know that's that's a picture of God writing writing out the law. Love God, love people. That's definitely not what's going on here. <laughs> but like he, he goes to his knees, right? And I think that's an example for us. I mean, the moment we're, we're under those type of circumstances, we should probably pray too. And, uh, and then he says this to them. He says, you without sin cast the first stone. Now that immediately li- eliminates every single other person in the room besides him, right? Every single one. And it says that they all started leaving. Drop. You can. You, you, all you hear is st- stones falling, right? And they. It says the older ones leave first. I guess they got. They got a longer list, right? And uh, and then Jesus is left there in verses 10 and 11. Left there with this precious girl, caught in adultery, um, marked by her sin, ashamed, guilty, drugged through town. And she's standing there. And uh and Jesus gets up and he says to her, Has anyone condemned you? And he says, she says, No one, Lord. And then he looks at her as he stands, because it says he stood, he straightened himself. And he gets what I picture is he gets right there, right? And he says, neither do I go and sin no more. Now look, he's, he's the God man, right? He could easily pick up that stone and exact the, the righteous requirements of the law, but he models for us to perfection, right? Cause that's what he came to do to show us how to walk this out. And he, he, he shows mercy and compassion. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that woman just ran off to another adulterous moment? I just, I like what Matt said this morning. He saved her life. Right? I mean, she could have been stoned. He could have done it. He saved her life. And then he said, go and sin no more. Do you know what? I think he saved her life in more ways than one. And I bet you there was, there was no desire for sin any longer. Guys, do you know, I want to cry. Do you know that that's, That's how we should be for others. When they're wrapped up in shame, when they're covered in guilt, when they've been shamed by the world and they've been used as a pawn, like, what does Jesus do? Man, he embraces their heart, calls them to grace. He knew her heart. We talked this morning, was there any repentance there? He knew her heart. And in that moment, man, he restores her, and man, I, I believe that she followed him all the days of her life. I believe that I think that's what what she did, but- w- what's necessary for us to follow Jesus' example right there in that that example that 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 event? I've said this before, but I'll say it again: spirit over nature, love over hate, faith over fear, right over wrong. Him over me, letting God be the judge and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that gets done, right? Because there's something in our flesh that just, that wants people to get what's coming, right? And, and listen, in the courtroom and at the, at the final day when Christ returns, all, every wrong's going to be made right and God's going to judge in perfect justice. And trust me, it'll be, eye for an eye too, it'll be perfect. But until then, we, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we we love keeps no record of wrong. We, you know, like, there's a part of that passage there that talks about, like, we, we shouldn't want people to suffer for their sin, right? Did you, you think Jesus wanted people to suffer for their sin? Why would he go to the cross if that's not what he tried to alleviate for you and me? We should... We should have hearts of dispositions of compassion and grace. But the only way that we stay there is we have, to, we have to understand what's been given to us. The only way we get there is by knowing what's been given to us. So I'm going to, this is, if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Matthew chapter 18 uh, verses uh, 21 to 35. But I'm going to summarize this for us this morning. And, uh, and many of you know, this, this is the parable the unmerciful servant. And, I, and, and I'm going to tell you what happens in this, this parable. And Jesus is trying to illustrate for us um, the, the amount, the, the, the gravity of our forgiveness, the, the amount of forgiveness, the debt we've been paid and how we're supposed to reciprocate. Okay? So there's a king and he wants to settle his debts with all of those in his kingdom. And this man comes before him, and he owes him 10,000 talents. Now, I did the math on this again this week, and uh, this is just under $500 million. But again, like 70 times 7, it's not about the math. It's meaning that it's a debt that you could never, ever pay. And just imagine that it's not a debt you'd pay over time. It's demanded of you, right? So... It's, it's, it's called 10,000 talents. A talent is an annual wage. Can you imagine 10,000 annual wages? And the man comes before the king. He says, oh, give me time and I will repay you. <laughs> right. It's, it, the point is we can never repay him, right? Right. So, so the king says he pleaded with the king, right? And the king had mercy on him. Don't miss that. And he says he forgave him all all of his debt, not some, all of it. He forgave all of his debt, right? And then it says that this servant went out and found a fellow servant that owed him 100 denarii. A denarii is a daily wage. So I did the math. It's about $10,000 in, in 2021. Okay, so Jesus intentionally uses a number that would be in, in, in human concepts, it would be significant, right? This guy owes me $10,000, right? That's, that's, that's a lot. It's not, it's not a drop in the bucket, right? And what does he do? He starts, he demands that he pay him back and then he starts choking the guy, right? Give me what I deserve, you know? And then what is, what does is the, the fellow servant do? Oh, please, it sounds very familiar. Please have mercy on me and I will pay you everything that I owe you. And he says, no way, you're going to jail. Well, I, I think the next verse is pretty interesting because what what is said is this, is that other fellow servants heard about this. Guys, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched two believers be unforgiving to each other? Does it not break your heart? Guys, I'm going to tell you, and, and this is painful for me, it breaks my heart. And I can't say that more emphatically. I hate to see believers fight. I hate to see mercy not extended, forgiven not, forgiveness not given, and grace not extended because you're not living out what's been given to you. And what it says in this passage is Jesus says that other, the other servants find out about this and they go to the father. <laughs> they go to the father and they and the father, the king. And he finds out what's going on, and he calls this servant back in. And you know what he calls him? He said, You wicked servant. Now he's wicked because he did not reflect what was given to him. He didn't reciprocate, right? He said, I I forgave you all your debt. And then you went out and you didn't extend that to the to your fellow brothers. He says, I'm going to turn you over to the jailers. You know who that is? In i'm i i i'm i'm gonna turn you over who's the jailer who who who's the one that has the captives? who's the captor right until you're able to pay the entire debt when's that gonna happen right go to verse eleven for me on this please i'm i'm sorry verse um the last verse yes, there it is that's the last verse verse thirty five so he says, and in anger, his master delivered him over to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. Verse 35. Now, listen to what it says. This is like, if anybody knows the truth, it's truth himself. If He knows the Father. Nobody else really knows the Father. Jesus knows the Father. He can say this, right? He says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you. Now, who's he talking to? So at the front side of this, Peter comes running in and says, how many times?